passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, 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 so, listen, listen, grab this, grab this, don't grab, grab, grab this. You got it? You got it? You got it? Yo, yo, all right, check it. I'm over here passing the bathroom, and then I roll up on this. Come here, come here, check it, check it, check it, check it. Yo, gonna reload it. What? What is that? What is that? Is that a chia pet on his back? What is that? What is they doing? What is that? When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. The following episode of Rewind a Raw will not feature any discussion about Avengers Endgame. How are you, Way? Thank you for that. I'm good. I'm good. Um, what What would you say for uh, for this particular film, the, the grace period is for spoiler discussion? The end of Rewind to Smackdown. It will come at about the hour or so mark of Rewind to Smackdown. It will be the final thing we talk about. After we have gone through Smackdown, gone through feedback, it will be the final thing on that show. The floodgates will be open, and Way and I will compare notes. I didn't take notes for this. I took notes in my head. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Tuesday night, we'll talk about that. I've been asked by many people. I don't know why. they. I think they're more curious about your thoughts rather than mine, but I, I've, ha- I've, had, uh, I've had text messages. I've had emails. Like People have contacted me privately to ask my thoughts. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm stunned. Well, I look forward so, to talking about No it discussion on tonight's show, so no one have to, has to worry. But the end of Rewind to SmackDown, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yes. I mean, this thing came it's out. at the on- end of the show. There's nothing you need to listen to after the feedback if you have not seen the movie. It will only be discussion on the movie, the end of the podcast. Yeah, we're not doing it at the beginning. So, you know, there's, there's I suppose, no, yeah, no, that's totally fine. Sure. How are you doing? I haven't yeah. talked to you in a while. Doing all right? Doing all right? Yourself? I'm doing okay. Um, man, it was a very busy weekend. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I watched a lot of MMA and pro wrestling this past weekend. I watched the Crockett Cup. I watched the Bellator card. I watched Rebellion. I did not see most of the... I saw very little of the UFC card. I watched the, uh, the Fight Pass prelims, and I watched some of the main card, and that was about it. And the Impact Show. The Impact Show, yes, on Sunday night as well. Did you catch any of Rebellion? 
I did, yeah. I watched the Gail Kim Tessa Blanchard match, which I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, like for for me, Impact pay per views now are more like uh, how I kind of consume, you know, um, uh, the occasional New Japan show. Uh, I don't watch every New Japan show, but like I watch the big ones. Even a lot of like NXT, I try to keep up with the weekly show, but I don't always get to. So, for, but you know, takeovers are always uh, a, a must watch. And I feel like Impact has started to gain that reputation too, where They've been pretty consistent with with their uh, pay per view offerings, and and at the very least, this card looked good enough for me to at least kind of dip my feet in for some of the matches. And I would say at the top among them uh, would be you know the Lucha Brothers versus LAX, but also Gail Kim versus Tessa Blanchard. And uh, I was very impressed, not just at the match itself, but the storytelling, and especially with Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, I thought it was their best pay-per-view since Slammiversary, which was also in Toronto last summer. I thought this was better than their last couple of offerings. So it was I thought it was a really good show on Sunday night. They had especially the the second half of the show, but uh yeah, mm-hmm. I spent 90 minutes talking about this show with Nate Milton, so you can go uh, check that out. Uh, that went down on Sunday night. Have you got an uh, update on uh, Brian Cage or or even Ray Phoenix for that matter? Yeah, so I was I was told on uh, was it Sunday night that Phoenix was okay? And he actually wrestled at the TV tapings on Monday night. So he appears to have been okay. He did uh, an interview, I believe, with the radio show. I'll look that up just to give enough credit. But I believe he said Brian it Cage like, did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which... This was, Sorry, I was talking about Phoenix. Phoenix oh, okay, worked, okay. Got it. Phoenix worked the tapings on Monday. Brian Cage did not. Uh, so he may have done something backstage, but he did not appear in front of the crowd on uh, Monday night. Yeah, he was on Busted Open Radio, and he stated that uh, there's a chance there could be a fracture, but it's likely just severe inflammation and a bone bruise. But obviously being precautious and not putting him in the ring or anything like that on Monday. And for those that maybe missed the spot, uh, he he took a Spanish. uh, Yes, many spots. No, both spots Uh, were from Spanish flies. Yeah, both of them were Spanish flies. These are very, very dangerous flies. Um, and if you watch Phoenix's, if you watch both of them back to back, and I was to tell you one of them got really injured, <laughs> everyone would have assumed Phoenix because he lands terribly. For better or worse, I mean, these were sort of the gifs that were making the rounds after impact. Um, so, you know, I guess it does tell you that there, 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 there's a certain level of attention. But, you know, unfortunately for all the wrong reasons, um, Glad to hear both men are seem to be, you know, at least uh, safe um, or at least not as injured as, as I think you would have expected um, just from watching, you know, th- those matches. So Cage seemed to see Cage seemed to reiterate that it was he was not expecting this to be major. Like he was downplaying like this would require surgery or anything. But I mean, it was it was uh, it was an injury. I mean, he was taken to the hospital on on Sunday night. So I don't know when he'll be able to uh, wrestle again, but it seems that it's not as. Because it happens halfway through the match. He finishes the match, which featured quite a lot of stuff. And then he had to do the angle with Michael Elgin after taking an Elgin bomb. So, See, I was uh, made aware of the injury before I watched the match. And, I mean, the last half of that match from the point from that Spanish fly forward are just incredibly grueling. And I would say, I mean, very dramatic in hindsight just to kind of like, you know, see the little moments when he and, 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 and Johnny Impact are communicating about what's going on. And just to know, like, the amount of stuff that they still had to go through afterwards, which Kate, with Cage being the one to win the match, uh, it, it, I'm sure, like, you could do a commentary track with, the, with him after the fact and, and have it, you know, be, be incredibly captivating. 
Uh, there was also a spot on Monday night's television taping. They did a, a three-way number one contenders match with Michael Elgin, Johnny Impact, and Pentagon Jr. And apparently Pentagon Jr. had to be helped to the back. And having not been there, uh, I can't really... It, it sounded from those there that it, it, it looked like he actually did injure himself and was not a storyline reason. But you'd have to see how that ultimately plays out on television. But that was kind of the news coming out of... Uh, Monday's taping in Toronto. All right. Uh, do you want to go through news right now, or do you want to go through the schedule for this week? Let's uh, go through the schedule. All right. It's a bit different this week. We have adjusted some of our shows for one week only. So Wayne and I will be back on Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown, and that will feature our Avengers chat at the end. Wednesday night, we've got the double shot, and this week, Wayne and I are reviewing the Crockett Cup show from Saturday night as well as Devon Eric's episode of Dark Side of the Ring. The British Wrestling Experience is back on Wednesday with Martin, Benno, and Jamesy, including Benno attending the Love of Wrestling convention. And he's going to report back if he still has a love of wrestling after attending this convention. Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden and Davey. And then on Friday, we are moving the cafe hangout for this week to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and we're going to be joined by Conrad Thompson, to chat about StarCast and the many, many projects he has going on. So you can tune in live if you're a double-double or higher cafe member. And for this one, I think since we're, since we're going to release it on Friday, we'll, we're going to put it up right away afterwards. So no, yes. no 24-hour wait. Saturday, Way and I are back for more. We are going to do a special bonus show for patrons reviewing the wrestling Dontaku cards that New Japan is putting on. They've got a card Friday and Saturday, so we'll go through those. And the Up Next crew is back with their movie review of the month on Saturday. They're reviewing Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the greatest one of them all. God, I think we're going to have the better shows to talk about than they will. That might be a bit of a drag, yeah. But I, I think those always make for the best reviews, so I really look forward to that. Apparently, they're going to do every single Star Wars. So uh, I look forward to all of them. And then Sunday, we're going to put out Rewind Away uh, to just spread everything out. So Sunday, Rewind Away drops with a review of New Year's Revolution from 2006. It'll featuring be an Elimination Chamber match and a quite the undercard. It'll be just like old say. times, John. Remember when we started Rewind Away? It came at the end of the law, so like people got it on Monday mornings. Well, there you go. You go. Everyone's going to be waiting for their... Uh, their iTunes to refresh on Sunday as Rewind Away drops. Hey, on that note, uh, I've, I've, you know, um, we addressed it on the Cafe Hangout, but um, some of you maybe don't listen to all the way to the Cafe Hangout, to the end of the Cafe Hangout. But if you're having any issues with your Patreon feeds, as well, I'm hearing a lot of people seem to be not just with our feeds, but other shows as well uh, across Patreon. Um, you can do just uh, just follow the directions that I put up in a post on Patreon.com/slash/postwrestling. Uh, you should be able to renew your free feed and refresh your feed if you aren't seeing all of our latest shows up there. Yes. Uh, so hopefully those issues will be addressed. Uh, some of these are out of our control, but waiting is the mechanic here, trying to get everything running smoothly. So thank you, Way. Oh, no problem. I do my best. Uh, let's do our draw right now. Yeah. We Each week here on Rewind to Raw, we go through our many, many... Uh, cafe members, and if you are a cafe member, you are eligible. And what is the prize for tonight's drawaway? 
We are going to send the lucky winner a post-wrestling combo pack, which consists of a post-wrestling t-shirt, postcard signed by John Pollock and myself, uh, some stickers, and even a coffee sleeve. A post-wrestling Ooh. coffee sleeve. Can't beat a coffee sleeve. That, that alone, I think, is worth... Uh, what all you have to do is sign up. You don't have to do anything else. You're in the straw every week, and then we can send you free stuff. I mean, that's just a wonderful deal. So why don't we spin the wheel... Get all the names circulating. Wei is eyeing a couple of these potential winners. He is narrowing it down to single digits. He has now locked in on one final name that he is opening up. And that name reads as follows. Congratulations to Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis from Redford, Michigan. What? Michigan, what? Is that, what, is that what they say in Michigan? I don't know, dude. I've never heard anyone from Michigan, period. So I don't know anyone in Michigan, except for Daryl Davis. Congratulations, Daryl Davis. Uh, I will uh, uh, get in contact with you. All right, let's go through some news items uh, from over the weekend and today. Uh, the, the Tacoma Dome in Tacoma, Washington, is advertising that the WWE will be holding stomping grounds. On Sunday, June 23rd, uh, the company has not officially announced this, but we had been told that uh, they were aiming to do a pay-per-view on this date at the Tacoma Dome. So that is happening. Uh, This uh, Tacoma, Washington, the home of the infamous uh, Buff Bagwell versus Booker T match in WWE history. That's how I'll I'll always remember the Tacoma Dome. Tacoma. I mean, that's synonymous with professional wrestling fans and stomping grounds, way stomping grounds. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not been a good month, I would say, for the WWE and their naming department, uh, their branding departments. Stomping hey, is grounds. this going to be a worse name than whatever they named? Like the Great they have not announced. Oh no, it's not worse than that. Well, no, they're going to Saudi Arabia earlier that month. I mean, what what is that going to be named? The greatest well, something. They could do Crown Jewel again, or or is this not? Does it have to be? Yeah, they could do Crown Jewel again, can't they? Oh yeah, because that it has such strong brand power in the marketplace. That, well, I mean, uh, it makes it makes it more easier than than having to come up with a different one every single time. You know, well, I guess it would have to be a good su- uh, replacement for calling it Saudi Arabia. So, you know, something to the can, can they just of, call it Q two profits? <laughs> um, yeah, stock rebound. That could be good. Sure. Um, <laughs> negating popularity metrics. Yeah. It's going to offset all these other numbers that have been down. Yeah. Something with the word OIBDA, I'm sure you can fit in. (laughs) That would be wonderful. Uh, So uh, it looks as though we're going to get two specials from the company in June uh, with uh, with stomping grounds and the yet-to-be-announced Saudi Arabia date in early June, which the investors were very curious about and the WWE very tight-lipped about anything related to Saudi Arabia. I suppose, like, you know, also notable about this is that they decided to get rid of the Backlash name event. Yeah, because it was going to be Backlash a week earlier in San Diego. And when they took that off the schedule, uh, so went the name as well. Maybe they're saving that name for Saudi Arabia. I highly doubt it. In fact, I would assume they got rid of the name Backlash because uh, of any of those factors. (laughs) Worried about the Backlash. Yeah. Uh. Kento Miyahara won the champion carnival today. He defeated Jake Lee in the final. This is 
one of the best matches of 2019. It is added to the list. Yeah, yeah, add this to the list, but this is uh, this cuts through a lot of the great matches this year. Maybe oh. one of the most heated matches I have seen this year. It was awesome. I woke up to there's nothing better way than waking up to direct messages from WH Park instructing me how to start my day with this match. And that's what I did. This was my substitute for coffee. This was such an awesome match uh, and kind of an interesting outcome that Miyahara, who is the triple crown champion, wins the carnival because typically you set up a big challenger coming out of this. Uh, This would be the equivalent of, you know, your IWGP champion winning the G1. So I still would love to see... um, another program down the line with Miyahara and Jake Lee. They used to be stablemates, but they're not any longer. So it was an awesome, awesome match. And I haven't seen a ton of the carnival, but it seems like this is a really great tournament in particular, Miyahara and Yuji Okabayashi, who just the, the two of them just tore it up in the majority of their tournament matches. And for people not aware, how could they watch this match and the rest of the champion carnival? It's all up on all Japan's streaming service. So agpw.tv is yeah they've got every show up from the carnival so you can sign up there to to watch them all and wh actually put together a whole guide uh rating all the tournament matches so if you're looking to he gave three matches five stars so um yeah you can follow that guide if you're looking for a short list i think you mean a smoked meat uh, he he went the star system. I would have totally accepted the sandwich uh, yeah. rating system from WH. He broke character. Come on, consistency, WH. Uh, what else do we add here? We we had a number of items coming out of the Rebellion pay per view. Uh, Michael Elgin debuting on Sunday night and looks to be aligned with uh, Brian Cage for a program. We also had the announcement that Slam Anniversary will be Sunday. July the 7th in Dallas, Texas at a venue yet to be announced. So they're going to run the same weekend that New Japan is running the G1 show in Dallas the night after. So there's going to be a lot of wrestling that week because Raw is going to be in Dallas the Monday prior. Uh, Do you think this is a smart strategy on Impact's part that if there's any traveling fans for New Japan, maybe we can... They'll they'll obviously be running a much smaller venue than the American Airlines Center. Uh, Or do you think that this is just a bad weekend to try and piggyback off of and be the night after as opposed to the night before. I personally think it's it's not bad to try it. You know, I, I would say maybe the unfortunate part is that we don't know exactly how much this uh, New Japan show will, will really attract in terms of travelers. Um, but even from a local level, will there be that interest? Uh, it's, again, it's really hard to say, you know. it's Is it the type of crowd that I think loves all kinds of wrestling or... Is it just the crowd that, you know, wants to see New Japan? Um, hard to say, but I, I, I would say, like, though the two shows would probably complement each other really well, at least just looking at the rosters. You know, you're not really going to see the same thing on the Saturday show that you're going to see on the Sunday, I would bet. But that also doesn't mean that, you know, you can only like one and not the other. I feel like if you're a fan of kind of one style of wrestling, you might kind of see a lot of what you also like about New Japan if you go to that uh, uh, Impact show. Yeah, I think that Impact's going to be running such... Like, you look at the size of the venues they're running, I don't think there's a giant risk uh, for any of these places they're running that I think for a pay-per-view, they should be able to fill because they're very conservative with the buildings they book now. The Rebel Complex, Melrose Ballroom, um, you know, these are the kind of size venues that they're looking at. So uh, not knowing what the venue is, I imagine it's going to be a relatively small one and it's not... uh, 
Um, so you think they'll? Do I, well? I, I don't think you even have to rely necessarily on travelers. Like I'm sure they're hoping that they can, even just from a local audience, that they can fill a thousand seat venue. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's all they're looking for, then sure, why not? Uh, we also had two announcements for the over the budget battle royal with Chucky e. T and Beretta. Uh, yeah, joining with, with Trent, that battle royal. With Trent tweeting that he's not going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, the gimmick is they're above this battle royal <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, and, oh yeah, this was another item from the Impact pay-per-view that they're flipping the Global Wrestling Network to Impact Plus. Which, if you look at the logo, it's more like Impact Plus Plus. Because they have the plus sign and they spell out the word plus. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's extra, extra. Plus plus. Yeah, impact yeah. plus plus. Okay. Um you know what? You gotta send them a message about that. Yeah. Uh plus seems to be uh kind of like the catch all for like a subscription service, I guess, these days. I'm glad I didn't tune in and it was uh now launching the Impact Cafe. <laughs> or post wrestling plus, I think we gotta consider that. I I would have sent them a cease and desist. It seems long overdue, you know, this global wrestling network to me, um, by the time it even launched, I feel like they were already done with that association with GWN. I don't even know how that happened in the first place. Uh, I think they raced, they raced that thing to the market. Um, and I don't think it had any momentum when they launched it. Like it quickly got sucked into a million different things that were going on behind the scenes with the company. And then you had the Twitch deal come about. It just seems like they were directing people in so many different directions that um, I I think that this service, I I thought the rollout was really weak. You know, but like you said, though, I think more importantly, uh, like what you said with Nate, it was, you know, what what is going to be on this service? How much of it will compete with what they're currently offering on Twitch? And how are they going to you know, appropriately funnel people into all different directions when there's so many places that you're trying to direct people to, to get your product. Well, they have said that the, there's going to be one live special on this, uh, impact plus each month. So that would seem to indicate that the live specials they had been doing on Twitch prior, they're going to flip that over to the network and Mm. Twitch will still have impact airing on Friday nights. So that would fulfill that commitment in essence. But I, I do think that it would be, a strong idea to just concentrate on one or the other. But if Twitch is paying them something, obviously there's an incentive to continue that uh, relationship and, you know, impact. I think they just want to get it to anybody by any means possible. So whether it's the app, whether it's uh, live on Twitch, I think they just want to have those avenues open, but we'll see if this is um, kind of a second launch of their streaming service under a different name and getting it away from the, the prior branding. If anything, I would say it's it's a second chance, you know, for them to to do the launch properly this time. Um, I think starting off with like whatever type of trial that they're they're trying to give right now is a good start. I think overloading that thing with value and content is is a must. And it looks uh, based on the commercial that ran, it looks like those uh, retrospective interviews we've talked about are going to be on there. And I'm sure they're, they're they have a lot of content. I think it's just letting people know about them. But those are those are really good the interview series. Yeah, I know. The thing is, like we talked about it, like you could watch them for free on the site. And now they're potentially going behind a paywall. 
I mean, I know, like, yeah, I mean, we, we, like, we know George who makes those things, and and I know that they're still continuing to make a lot of them, uh, in, including other like uh, uh, bonus things that they're doing uh, for Impact. So I imagine like maybe new content will be behind that. I don't know. Uh, final thing, and maybe we can hold off on this if you want to discuss later. But uh, did you want to talk about the the Cody promo from Road to Double or Nothing, or do you want to save that for? We can talk about it. There's no need to like hold back news. Let's let's just discuss it. Yeah, I just I thought it was a really solid promo from Cody, um, showing a range of emotions and mm. also trying to in invoke kind of this this generational gap between him and Dustin using the Attitude Era that Cody is kind of positioning that his generation has this chip on their shoulder that they're constantly compared to this great era that they feel they're better than. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting way to go about things. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought last week, the, the Dustin thing we talked about on, on the double shot, I thought stylistically it looked really good, but I kind of had some issue with maybe how all over the place it kind of was with, with what Dustin was trying to say in order to promote the rivalry. It just felt like it was a little bit unfocused as to why he actually dislikes Cody. Well, this promo from Cody was one straight take, incredibly impressive, and I thought focused in on what he considered to be the the point of this feud. And like you mentioned, it's some you know type of attitude era versus uh, current generation type of thing. I like it a lot. Uh, again, the 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 promo itself was shot wonderfully, and again, like simple, just a black screen fade up. Cody cuts this excellent promo, like one of the best promos I've ever seen him cut, um, and. And that was it. I'm sucked in. I'm sold. Like it's in two segments. I feel like it's had that had the best build thus far of anything on Double or Nothing. I mean, you know, many of the other matches on Double or Nothing really haven't had any build at all. So, um, Cody- oh, I, I think th- these two episodes from last week and this week, this stuff has blown away the stuff that's been on Being the Elite. That I I I have not really been into Being the Elite of late. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's it's building up matches that I'm anyway interested in at the moment like it's not enhancing any of the matches whereas they're matches this you're has... already interested in you know we're talking like the uh, the lucha brothers versus the bucks and and you know jericho versus omega like you almost don't even have to but the fact that you do have some supplementary material and an actual feud to sink your teeth into makes i think all the difference when you're there for the day yeah i i much prefer the direction that you've gone like you could have just announced cody and dustin and i think that there would have been a segment that alone that's okay that's something interesting uh but they're building it and i think this is going to be among the most heated matches and maybe this is going to be that that cody nick aldis situation at uh all in where this is the match that everyone kind of looks back on as as having the biggest reaction because of the story told going into it he i thought he like cody stole the show with nick aldis at all in and he could very well do the same again over his you know elite compatriots All right. Uh, For all your latest news, you can go to postwrestling.com and check out all of our latest shows. There are many of them up there. And I do want to make mention of the Be Cool review that Nate Milton and Brent Chittenden did. Uh, I thought it was an excellent, excellent review of Be Cool. Have you ever seen Be Cool? I have not. I have not even seen Get Shorty, actually. Oh, wow. Well, that's one to put on your list. Get Shorty, not so much Be Cool. Okay. But maybe Nate and uh, Brent will change your mind. I'm more of a Doom guy. Oh, next month. That should be fun. I saw that movie in the theater, and it was god-awful. I imagine it hasn't aged well 14 years later. 
Raw, Monday night, Lexington, Kentucky. Started off with Alexa Bliss coming out, and she was going to be announcing the Raw participants into two Money in the Bank ladder matches uh, taking place next month. And starting off, she was going to announce uh, that there will be eight performers in each ladder match, the men's and women's, and the male participants from Raw will be Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin. And each came out, and Michael Cole noted that of the past Money in the Bank winners, starting with Edge at New Year's Evolution or Revolution 2006, 81% of the winners have cashed in and won the title. 81%. Still at a Canadian A, isn't it? It's an A minus here. Uh, it's okay. I, I that, ser- that's a pretty strong success rate. But it used to be 100. You know, the Money in the Bank used to be. Like, well, then you had these losers like Baron Corbin and uh, Damian Sandow. That's right. Screw it all up. Yeah. But, you know, I don't even mind that so much. I don't think anything should be 100%. You know, like it's the Infinity Gauntlet shouldn't be 100%. And I like that little bit of like intrigue. You can win the briefcase, but still have a 20% chance of losing. Sorry, 19%. Corbin uh, was heavily booed. Alexa wasn't going to read over his resume for his introduction. And he says he's going to be a two-time Money in the Bank winner. Ricochet says, yeah, you could be a two-time loser. Drew then cut off. (laughs) The whole crowd gasped. Oh, my God. Wow, Ricochet. Careful. Drew cut him off. And he starts yelling at Corbin, who stole his win last week. And then Corbin blew it against AJ Styles. And then Drew went off on a side tangent talking about how the third hour drop was astronomical because of Corbin in the main event. Drew says he's sick of outside forces affecting his chances at the title. And he's going to have the power after winning money in the bank. And he tells Ricochet, earmuffs, go stick to your high flying and leave the business talk to the grown ups, motherfucker. And then he went back to arguing with Corbin. And then Braun finally yelled that none of them can stop him. And how about a tag match, boys? <laughs> and we had a tag match. Yeah. I thought Ricochet looked like a total geek here. Um, he's also in Kentucky, by the way. So I guess somewhat appropriate. Um, he received a great reaction, though, from this audience. Uh, obviously, because he is from Kentucky. He's also being billed now as the man who redefined aerial combat. Just slides off the tongue. Yeah. A man who <laughs> redefined aerial combat. Is his when was name. aerial combat defined? Who defined it? <laughs> I don't fucking know. What, Webster? <laughs> what, what is aerial combat? Like fighter jets? Or like air? Like uh, squidditch? Is that uh, considered it's, aerial combat? It's when, a, it's when an MMA fighter gets mad at Helwani. What? <laughs> That's... Sorry. That is excellent. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> oh, God. So they continue to point out how small Ricochet is, and I think you can kind of expect him to fulfill that same undersized underdog role that they typically give to anybody under six feet tall. Uh, but he can't be the pit bull on this show anymore because that, that tag has been reserved for another small man. Well, there's a bulldog. So the pit bull uh, title, I think, is free right now. No, uh, tonight... AJ had a pit bull mentality. 
So he's a pit bull and a bulldog? A pit bulldog. Know what? Uh, Okay, so this I'm looking at my notes here, and this is why I take them. Graves said that AJ has that pit bull mentality. But then in his promo, AJ said, I'm like a bulldog at your heels. So we have a discrepancy here. He's a mixed mixed breed. Oh, dear. Best of both worlds. I saw saw a Frenchie pug the other day. It was the most adorable thing. Maybe that's Ricochet. I don't know how how much high-flying those ones do, but uh, a very generic segment, to say the least, I would say. Uh, but I, I do think it's a good thing that you're seeing Ricochet in the mix here, at least, you know? he might. Well, why? Why is he in the mix? Well, As opposed he... to Bobby Roode from last week. It's a very good question. I don't know why Bobby Roode got that win last week. He was not even featured on this show. It made no sense to me. Your first loss to Ricochet was... It, the show was written tonight to f- totally forget that to the point Rude wasn't even on the show tonight. It just, yeah. I, I think that really outlines just some of the, some of the plans that they have. Like, it just seems like it's, it's week to week. It seems to me, maybe they, perhaps they realized their, their error of last week and they decided, Hey, like, why, why did we do that? Let's just change course as if we didn't do that and promote Ricochet. If anything, that mustache deal did have some life to it coming out of Raw last week. What do you mean? I, I mean, just in terms of... Oh, he uh, got some buzz, yeah, sure. I mean, more than Bobby Roode has had, like, pretty much since his entrance on his main roster call-up. I mean... It was a fresh been... start, yeah. The, you know, like, he, I think he absolutely should have been on this show, but it, it's, you know, we're not complaining about that. We're complaining about the fact that he, Ricochet, was the guy that had to be, uh, lose to him. So we had our tag match. Uh, Ricochet did a tilt-a-whirl head scissors onto Corbin and then leaped off the middle rope and got shoulder tackled in midair, went through the commercial. They had the heat on Ricochet for a long, long time. And Corbin got chased by Strowman on the floor, which the crowd really was into him trying to catch Corbin. But then he ran into a Claymore from McIntyre. McIntyre is beating down on Ricochet. He finally makes the hot tag. This place exploded when Braun got the tag. And this is awesome. He just roars. And within 15 seconds, he runs into the shoulder, uh, runs into the post shoulder first. Ricochet, who's been selling for like seven minutes, just tags himself back in after it had to have been 45 seconds tops that Ricochet was on the apron. So he comes in. He gets hit with the Glasgow kiss. And then as Drew sets up for the Claymore, Corbin tags himself in, goes for the choke slam backbreaker. But that's countered. Braun tags back in. Drew nails his partner, Corbin, and then Braun hits a power slam. Ricochet is back to hitting the 630 and pins Corbin. Uh, The crowd was really hot for the Ricochet and Braun together, and they were blessed with a pretty enthusiastic crowd on tonight's show. At least to start. At least to start here. Um, I guess there were dips, but I, I thought as a whole, I thought this Lexington crowd was much more lively than, than most, but uh. Yeah, I, we, there's we'll going to be certain valleys. We'll discuss. Yeah, but I, I thought, I mean, a lot. I, I got, I got somebody messaging me asking me for my heart rate for this and being concerned. But I, I really nothing abnormal to report about my heart rate because I actually enjoyed this match. This was like a good, simple match. It was early enough that I think my, my tolerance for Baron Corbin was still at a level that where <laughs> first I first match <laughs> where I could enjoy it. And and you know, I thought these two, Braun and Ricochet, played a great traditional big man, small man, babyface tag team. So. 
I mean, even after Money in the Bank, I'd love to see a continued association between these two. Um, whether or not that might ultimately kind of pigeonhole Ricochet into that small man role, I mean, remains to be seen. But it's clear who the crowd wants, at least tonight, right? It's They're choosing Ricochet over Braun as the person that they'd like to see with the bigger push. The Usos came out, but they didn't just walk out. They came out singing their entrance music. Well, like... Yeah, doing karaoke, essentially. Like, kind of doing the R-Truth thing. Then the music faded out, and they weren't sure what to do. And then the music came back up. So they started singing again Mm -hmm. as we went to commercial break. It kind of reeks of an idea that was just told to them, like, maybe five minutes ahead of them coming out. Because as an idea itself, I don't think it's an awful idea having them, you know, sing their own theme song. Or at least like mouth the words in a hype man style to their own theme song. Adds a bit of life to the entrance, sure. But I was disappointed that when that music was faded down, they didn't really have anything to ad-lib or say. It was just more of a, I can't hear you. And then back to the song. When I feel like the idea might have been for them to actually like talk some trash towards their opponents. Or to cut a bit more of a substantial promo. Instead, it just came across a little bit awkward. Yeah, fine, fine idea, but I think in the execution, I think that it didn't work, and yeah. I think if they had a third man, it kind of would work better, as opposed to these guys doing it themselves. I just felt they looked very clumsy, Yo, you and know who it I, kind of took away from their entrance, which I think is a really good entrance. Do you know who I saw at um, WrestleCon, sitting outside uh, during one of the indie shows? Uh, Chinsuke. No. It was Oscar. For men on a mission. Oh yeah, Oscar was there. I saw him too. So he, he's around. He could do. He that. is around. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm joking. By the way, maybe he could come in with the Usos. Uh, <laughs> wait for tonight's description. If people go and decide to read the description of the show, uh, you may notice that it reads: the first line is the mysterious superstar shakeup continued with more roster moves reflected on the show. I kept that identical from last week's description because it just seems like we can keep this week after week because our latest roster move two weeks after the shakeup was Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, who are now on Raw. Why? I don't know, but they're on Raw. At this point, they should just like announce the Superstar shakeup as like a month-long thing so that they can take the time to figure out where they want to put each team because I, I have a feeling they still haven't kind of set their minds completely yet on everybody this who, week it- who is there saying guys we screwed up we need anderson and gallows on raw like oh christ how did we how did we forget to move them like th- it's a priority we've got to get them to raw i that's a great question i don't know i don't maybe aj misses his road wives you know maybe he's got that type of pull on SmackDown. I, I have no idea. I'm not sure, but... Or maybe they just forgot to announce it during that, like, .com posting. Could be. Did, let, let's be honest. I will fully admit to this, and I'm going to assume you were the same as me. We totally reviewed SmackDown last week without any inkling that Jinder Mahal was moving from Raw to SmackDown last week. 
yeah, did and they, the Singh brothers. Did they announce, I had no clue. Did they write that one on on the dot com? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Everybody. No, it was just it was just a, a move. I don't think they announced it ahead of time on the site. It just happened on the show. But I watched that. I didn't even think twice that Jinder and the Singh brothers were on Raw versus SmackDown. It did not even compute with me. I think we're only critical of it because they've given the impression that the shakeup was to only be a one night, two night thing. You know? I'm saying because I don't even know which brand these guys are on. So it doesn't oh. even make a difference to me. Sure. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. For these guys, no. It doesn't matter. Uh, Jimmy did a slide and did the two sweet sign to Luke Gallows. Jimmy then got struck by Gallows from the floor and was thrown face first into the middle rope doing the uh, the Enzo spot. And they took the advantage, went through a commercial break. The tag was made to Jay. He missed Anderson and ran into the post, took a spine buster. Jay kicked out of that. Magic Killer gets thwarted. And then Jimmy super kicks Anderson. Jay super kicks Gallows. They deliver a double super kick to Gallows. And then Jay hits a dive to Anderson on the floor. Jimmy with the splash, pinning Gallows. I thought this, you know, was needed to be a good showcase for both teams. Both of them do somewhat have a fresh start uh, being on a different show. And I thought the Usos were fine to very good as usual. Here, like, over the past couple weeks, I feel like they've been able to convey a lot more charisma, perhaps, than usual. Um, Maybe perhaps being told to. just kind of be bigger personalities than usual. And I think they've been successful for the most part. But Gallows and Anderson, I thought they totally sucked here. Um, I don't know if what it is. I don't know if it's a lack of motivation. Or maybe they've just never been that good. And I'm only realizing it now. Uh, but I thought they just stunk the place up in this match. Did you realize how many tag teams are now on Raw? We had four tag matches on Raw. They could have done their own Crockett Cup on Monday night. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, what is left on SmackDown? Aren't, does it, don't SmackDown have, don't they have tag teams? What do you mean? They've got the Hardys, of which Jeff is hurt right now. Yeah. They've got Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. They broke up the bar. Right. Again, Cesaro not on tonight's show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty much your depth of mm. your SmackDown tag teams at the moment. Well, they got the women's tag teams. Okay, but for the men's tags. Right. That's what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, yeah. They do have a lot of women's uh, tag teams on SmackDown, but for the mm. men's teams, like, it's pretty bare on SmackDown now. Uh, they're going to have to start putting some people together, I suppose. I See, I didn't think it was... Uh, I, I know you're not saying it's a negative. Uh, Maybe just more of an imbalance. But I kind of liked that there were a lot of tag team matches on Raw. You know, it saves the singles matches for something bigger and gives a focus to tag team wrestling. You know who they need on SmackDown? The rock and roll express. Oh, at least their promo. Yeah. Oh, just, just give Ricky Morton his own talk show each week. Yeah. Give me 20 minutes of Ricky Morton and then a five minute match after with Robert. And I'm happy. I will say SmackDown is a thumbs up every week. If you give me 20 minutes of those guys, I, I really would not dislike that idea at all. Uh, the Usos get on the microphone after the match. They have more to say because they didn't ahead of the man, match. The Usos versus the Rock and Roll Express? That'd be awesome. Oh, man. All that hip-hop. That, that could be fantastic. Imagine all the backstage filming they would do of, of the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, catching them ride, in along, the ride along with the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, I met the Usos like with their oh. cell phones backstage. <laughs> oh, who knows what they would catch. 
So Jay throws to a video with a warning, and it's from earlier in the day. They go into a locker room, and they start filming the revival in towels where Dash is shaving Scott Dawson's back. And they yell, hey, you missed a spot, and the revival are furious. And then they run out on the stage claiming an invasion of privacy, which this absolutely was. And Dawson explains that they are men, and that means they grow body hair. And his lats are so big, it's hard for him to reach his back. So he asked his best friend of 20-plus years to help shave his back. And then, whether this was a play on words or not, said that they each have the other man's back. Wilder then said that they are coming after them after they get through Hawkins and Ryder tonight. Which I love that direction. After we get through the, the tag champions tonight, our goal is you guys. <laughs> no, that that's an issue unto its own. Um, now, um, Sean Ross Sapp reported and Dave Melter confirmed that the uh, or uh, uh, the revival were offered five hundred thousand dollar a year contracts for five years that they turned down. So a lot of the buzz going online around online is the assumption that they are getting a gimmick in this storyline like this because of that. How much do you think there's truth to those assumptions? Uh, if if they think that this is like some form of punishment because these guys are willing to leave, this is going to have absolutely no bearing on anything for them. I think that's such a dated idea of, okay, we're going to give you a shit gimmick. It's like, these guys are leaving because they feel you've given them shit. So, whatever you're throwing at them now, uh, I'm stunned that they are not... uh, that they're contemplating uh, turning down that amount of of money. Um, And from the report, sounds like they have. So, I mean, that's, that's wild money to be throwing at these two guys it's crazy to me i can't i i i mean i i really do wonder if they're getting even a competitive offer from from anybody else um anyway that tells me two guys that are absolutely motivated by um their body of work and clearly like money is not an option and there's many people i feel that look at you know wanting to be happy with the work they're producing but when you're talking about five hundred thousand dollars a year, you compromise. And hey, credit yeah. to them if they believe that they are worth more elsewhere or they're just not happy in this situation. Um, and again, like their contracts are not up, so I would imagine that this is going to be something where they are going to uh, continue to try and negotiate with these two to stay. But I think it's very, it would be very silly for them to try and still lock these guys down while they're booking them like this. So what if they were to change their mind and what, what have you done with them? Like you've written them off as jokes already. Like what are you uh, spending all this money on? I would say if you're going to turn down $500,000 a year, I don't know how much more room there is for negotiation. You know, there no, I can't anyway, 500. That's crazy money to me. Uh, that's all that said though. I mean, I don't think it'll hurt the revival in the least whenever they decide to leave. I think everybody at this point just kind of sees it as, uh, you know, uh, not representative of who these guys actually should be and who these guys actually are. That said, uh, all this stuff aside, I I, I, I think I'm happy at, at least that they're giving the Usos some type of personality and some type of character. 
um, some type of storyline, even if it turns out that the Usos are now some sort of like millennial twins who um, make fun of like kind of stuck up guys by filming them like, you know, um, world star style on backstage. It seems like it's something that's more geared towards children and maybe people could relate to doing stuff like that. But um, I ultimately feel like it's better than them what they were doing last year on SmackDown, which is really not having any characters at all. Then they showed highlights of Joe murdering Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania and Michael Cole bringing up Rey's ankle injury, and he never got out of the gate at WrestleMania. Uh, they they showed an ad for Kushida's debut match on NXT this week against Cassius Ono, which should be really good. Miz TV is back on Raw. He came out, said that He's, it's good to have Miz TV back on Raw. He's been rejuvenated since the shakeup, and he welcomes his guest, Bobby Lashley, uh, minus Leo Rush, who looks like has been separated from Bobby Lashley without any explanation. Yeah, it's like his second week, or third even. Like He, he hasn't been around in a while. So Lashley's out by himself, and they note he walks with confidence, doesn't he? As Lashley walks down. Graves says, this is what Socrates was aiming for when he was sculpting. And there was dead silence, and Renee <laughs> called him out on this ridiculous statement. Uh, Socrates being a Greek philosopher and not a, <laughs> not a sculptor. Uh, Lashley says he will only answer questions uh, that he likes to answer and starts speaking in the third person. Miz puts over all his athletic accomplishments but says that some believe he has not reached his full potential. Lashley comes back by saying, I've been here for a year since returning, and already I've been a two-time Intercontinental Champion. What have you done, Miz? And Miz lists, lists off his entire Wikipedia entry. Lashley then brings up how he lost to Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, and Shane punched his father and says, no wonder your father thinks you're worthless. And this sets off Miz. Badass Miz takes out Bellator heavyweight contender Bobby Lashley. And when you put it that way. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't. I'm just, I'm out. I tapped out during this segment. Miz gets the better of Lashley and sends him to the floor. Badass Miz as Lashley retreats. I feel like at this point I've kind of gotten over like the credibility issue with, with the Miz. Um, Not me. Yeah. I felt like it was um, the issue that I thought I had with it was maybe I kind of found it a lot tougher to cheer for him as a babyface in this segment. A lot of it coming down to the way he looked and the way he carried, like you know, him bragging about his hot wife and his Wikipedia on, on in this segment, but also him coming out wearing that obnoxious heel outfit with the robe and the headband and the sunglasses. To me, these are things that I identify with his heel persona that I thought he created as part of a heel persona to annoy people. Uh, I found it a little bit tougher to relate to him as this everyman with the, you know, who loves his father and just wants his father's attention when he's looking like that. So Miz uh, sends him to the floor, throws a chair at him, and that turned into Bobby Lashley versus The Miz. And it started during the break. Michael Cole brings up, you know, guys, Bobby Lashley lost at WrestleMania as well as The Miz. 
So we've got two losers here that are fighting. Miz hits his terrible kicks, some running knees into the corner, and then Shane comes out dancing. Miz turns around. Shane goes to run up from behind him, but Miz turns around, gives them the death stare, and then Miz hits a DDT, the shit kicks, and then his father's picture shows up on the Titantron, and this is enough to paralyze the Miz, who turns around, is hit with the spear, Bobby wins, Renee yells, brutal, uh, as I was typing down the same word, and Miz tries to attack Lashley afterwards, but gets stopped, Shane beats the shit out of the Miz, mounts him with his ground and pound, I was hoping we'd get a nostalgic Michael Cole pounding ground, uh, kicks him, and then applies the inverted triangle which is going to be his finisher in the next video game, I bet. And this got a lot of booze. Miz gets choked unconscious, and Shane yells, I am the best in the world, and knocks him in the head with the microphone as the crowd chants for CM Punk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Shane McMahon, uh, and I will say, I think he the post-match beatdown got a great reaction from this audience. I think Shane's been a very good heel, and especially against the Miz, I think you, I, I see a lot of limitations with the Miz as a babyface without Shane opposing him. So I think there's at least one more match in its life with Miz probably getting his revenge. I suppose they could even peek it for Saudi Arabia where this whole thing kind of began. Well, they've announced the match though for for Money in the Bank. Well, they could do rematches, right? Oh, if, if it's well, but it's a end. steel cage. It's it's the big. Uh, you're right. Like the cage will probably just be some stunt at the end i'd love i'd love to see like a shoot shooter team with uh with um um uh, uh shane mcmahon and, and the uh, miz no 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 and oh. bobby lashley and dan lambert oh just doing well, then you at least have some great promos just doing submissions just like i guess you could bring colby covington if you want like you could tag along but just like i want them training submissions striking and all team trump them. bobby lashley and colby covington Jay McMahon. <laughs> Jay McMahon. God, I McMahon. really missed on that one. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, Team Republican. Uh, yeah, so they set up a steel cage match with Miz making the challenge and Shane accepting. So, you know, I wonder if a steel cage match is the best idea because I just have nightmares of Shane being locked in a cage with The Undertaker until he finally got out of it. And this... Uh, this is just a regular cage match that I don't know how great this is going to be where they're limited to staying in the ring, which I guess opens the possibilities that they're just going to be outside of the cage, which begs the question, why is there a cage to begin with? So we could jump off of it. Right. As long as you get that, I I think perhaps the crowd will leave home satisfied. They can kind of gimmick it up however they want. Out came Eivor and... Ivar and Eric and Michael Cole said they are called the Viking Raiders. Yeah. So two weeks in a row, they are named the Viking Raiders. They cut an insert promo that for the last year, they've destroyed everyone in their way. And the raid has begun. That's the new line. Yeah. The raid has begun. Yes. No one has ever said those words in a serious manner before these two. They took on the Lucha House Party, who jumped them from behind as a playoff of last week, and it was Kalisto and Grand Metalik in the match. Ivar hit a cartwheel to avoid Metalik's handspring off the ropes, and then Kalisto got caught with the press into the air and the power slam. 
thus known as the Viking Experience. And Ivar got the cover in a minute 56. So they're at least having these guys kill dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. So they get the win. And then Eric hoists up Dorado, and Ivar hit a flying clothesline to Dorado off the middle rope, which did look impressive, and the announcer was put over. I love that the Viking experience names continues to live and will probably will live for the foreseeable future just as the, the, the team's uh, finishing move. I love that they're just so stubborn that they decided, oh, well, you made us change their names. Well, watch this. We're going to keep it at least for this. Like, they're so adamant of wanting that word in there. Uh, they look very impressive in ring. I suppose I'm just disappointed that all these guys, you know, Ricochet and War Raiders, they all just seem to be filling these generic tropes from Vince's playbook due to how they appear on the surface. If you're under six feet, you're the underdog pit bull. If you're a heavyweight tag team, you get the same push as the Authors of Pain or the Bludgeon Brothers as heels who just run through everybody. Listen, it could be a lot worse, um, but I just I feel like these guys were doing great as a babyface tag team, and it was something different. That's a team they can put on SmackDown, the Authors of Pain. Yes, sure. Yeah, because they would be too similar to uh, this team on Raw. Uh, tonight's big uh, sponsor was Sonic, who are pushing this just sinful drink called the Red Bull Slush which just sounds like a punishment that you are forced to digest. <laughs> you wouldn't You've try committed it? murder. You wouldn't try this? The Red Bull slush. Not a fucking chance. This sounds awful. I would say, if anything, it probably, like, waters down the effects of Red Bull. And I can't imagine it being, like, high-quality, like, best Red Bull. It must, it's got to be some type of, like... I, I don't want to speak ill of Sonic. I do. Uh, they're probably, yeah, if they didn't have the Red Bull branding, I'm sure they just, like, for, for cost savings, they pour in some, like, garbage knockoff, like, uh, what was it, Red, Red Rain or yeah. any the four million. Lo- the Four Loco Slush, I think, is a, probably a drink that's already quite popular um, in a lot of 7-Elevens. Alexa Bliss returned to announce the women, uh, the women's participants from the Raw side, First was Natalia, who came out and mentioned that she has never been Raw Women's Champion. And the deal was each woman would come out and they'd talk, and Alexa just wanted to get through the announcements. The second announcement to go in a ladder match with seven other women, Dana Brooke. Yeah. That's going to be a test. Man, I don't know if you remember, but like she had quite the kind of like you know bit, bit little segment in the May, uh what is it? Sorry, not not May Young Classic. Um, the the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, the official name of that one. Um, they, they I mean they this seems to be following up on the small push that they they've been giving her lately. She says that she has been held back, and Dana says Natalia has been given every opportunity. And she started this by saying no offense, which Natalia said, anytime someone starts a sentence with no offense, it's offensive. Which is probably true. Um, <laughs> depends how you take it. Uh, Naomi is the third entrant. She says her only focus is becoming Raw champion. And then Alexa says they're all talking and they're ruining the moment for the fourth entrant that could change their career and says that the fourth entrant in the match is me, Alexa Bliss. 
Yeah, I guess important to note there was no Sasha Banks, of course, not even a yeah, tease was... like like you would have expected with before Alexa's uh, announcement, but not even a tease of Sasha. I thought. No, and I mean they didn't make any mention of when the SmackDown participants will be na- named, but I'm assuming they'll be announced tomorrow night. And I thought they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." That's that would be my assumption as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I thought everybody sounded pretty stupid in this one. Like, especially... It, it was all taking a turn, and I'm going to be champion. No, I'm going to be champion. I'm going to be champion. Yeah. Especially Natalia and Dana Brooke. But, I mean, I would say, like, above all of them, uh, at least among these four, Naomi was the only person I, I could even take seriously for a little bit. So then Naomi challenges Alexa Bliss to a match, and Alexa says, I'd love to, but I don't want to. And said, I don't have the proper shoes. So Naomi says, I could beat you with my shoes on or my shoes off. (laughs) So Alexa accepted because she was goaded into facing her with the threat of this woman beating her without shoes on. And what was to come was one of the most Horrific television matches I've seen in some time. But before that, we had the Firefly Funhouse to break things up. Week two with Bray Wyatt. And he was wearing a Bray. A Bray. Oh. (laughs) Bray Wyatt. (laughs) I wonder if that was intentional. I don't know. He says, bonjour. I love to paint. I think his inspiration is Brandon from New Jersey. Says a lot of weird shit and he breaks into laughter. And I'm mesmerized. The, I don't know what that would say more uh, about Brandon or say more from Bray. Um, is that a compliment? I don't know. He can take it any, any way he chooses. He is painting and he says it's a way to express his suppressed feelings And therefore, no one can ever truly hurt you. And he has a conversation with the rambling rabbit, who is another character in this world, and shows off the painting, and it is the house burning with somebody inside. Right. Is this the is this the same? The Wyatt compound, the the shack that Randy Orton burned. It's my assumption. Sure, but this time there's somebody inside. Abby the witch appears and has been awoken by Bray's conversation with the rambling rabbit, which led to a first in the history of professional wrestling that a heel or babyface has used these two words in succession. Yowie wowie. He, the, the witch, fuck me. This witch calls Bray a bad boy, not Joey Janela. And tells him to keep it down while I get my beauty rest. Bray calls Abby the Witch a sociopath, which is also the word of the day that he spells out for everyone. And Bray looks into the camera and tells the children that he'll light the way. All you have to do is let me in. All right. Good job, John. I tried my hardest. I've been looking for, uh, I look forward to these each week. I hope they continue just so I could hear you filter them through your own perspective i think people are captivated by these segments that they're so weird i think bray's doing a tremendous job with them and 
while I don't have high hopes for what we look back on these as, I I find them to be really interesting. I think a lot of it will depend on what the point of it all is, what the kind of eventual outcome of it all is. You know, is it just to kind of convey that this guy's really weird, everybody, he's and he's got a bunch of new friends now? Um, or is it actually leading up to a wrestling character that will have in, interesting matches? And have to interact with other real people. Right. In feuds. Yeah. For me, two weeks in, I think uh, the jury's still out for me. They're not creepy. They're not funny. They're more of just like a colorful dis- distraction for me right now. How how have you felt Bray's been in them? Committed. I mean, no pun intended. Uh, good. Sure. All right. <laughs> uh, then we went to the shoe match between Naomi and Alexa Bliss. Oh, this will be forever known as the shoe match. Yeah. As uh, a shoe-in for worst match of the year, maybe. So Alexa has a bad pair of shoes where the shoelaces keep untying. So she's got to do a wrestling match and constantly go back to tying up her shoes. There is an inside cradle by Naomi. Then she applies this bizarre-looking choke onto Naomi and tosses her to the floor so she can retie her shoelaces. Renee Young brings up Tanya Harding having this issue with her skates once. Naomi comes back with a jawbreaker and yanks off Alexa's shoes. And then Naomi is sent into the turnbuckle. And then Alexa is yelling at the referee and turns around and is hit with the rear view and a split-legged moonsault as Naomi wins in six minutes, it was six minutes of Alexa tying her shoes. I I don't know what substance produced the thought process of this match, but it can't be legal. I'm not sure either. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe she really didn't have her shoes and therefore had to wrestle in these. And the these shoes just happened to have laces that kept coming off. So they decided to build a match around it. I, I don't know. I, I will say I don't feel like the end result was that effective. Overall, for all the shoe stuff, it was still a pretty boring match. Um, nonetheless, though, it, it's it's a relatively big win that they gave Naomi. If it was in any way done to somehow protect Alexa Bliss, um, I will say perhaps one of the more... Uh, how, how did this greater, protect like, Alexa Bliss? She looked like a total fool, and she lost in the end. Well, the excuse is that she didn't have the right shoes, so she's oh, she's boy. protected like the, the heat. Oh my god! I mean, that's how Tanya Tanya Harding saved uh saved her saved face. You know, when she didn't do whatever that spin was when she didn't win. So she I was, don't know. She was devastated, and it affected her career. That loss. Well, maybe I don't this know if this is going to have the same repercussions. Yeah. It was strange. It was very strange uh, and not good. Ray is in the locker room with Dominic. Remember him? It's like, Dad, what the fuck? I was at the washroom and you did your match. I was supposed to be out there with you. It's a long show. I had to go pee. Charlie asks about this being the most challenging stretch of Ray's career. She brings up his loss to Samoa Joe. And Ray cuts her off and says, yeah, there was also the beatdown by Lars Sullivan. Uh, it's hard being in this land of giants. 
He admits he was embarrassed at WrestleMania. He let the WWE Universe down. He let his friends and family down. And he let his son down. He knows that he is a better man. And he's going to prove it against Samoa Joe tonight. I thought Ray sounded good. Sounded determined here. I disagree that this is the worst period of his career, though. Come on. Yeah, this man went through WCW right till the end. Yeah. Becky Lynch came out. And she's interviewed by Charlie as the fans are the cha- the fans were pretty hot here for Becky. They were chanting Becky two belts. She's asked why she would decide to wrestle twice at Money in the Bank. She's asked if she was being impulsive. She says nothing she does is impulsive. She can either protect what she has or fight. And that's all she knows fighting. She would not be here if she believed in the odds. She is not holding the title hostage because that was her criticism of others. And she did not make history by dodging anyone. She made it by beating everyone. She still has Charlotte's number. Lacey might be a tremendous athlete with a great right hand, but she made a mistake punching someone that likes to be hit. And they replayed Evan's attack on her last week. And Becky calls out Evans for her payback. Lacey comes out, says she is trying not to lose her manners, but she is done talking. And they fought on the floor. The officials were out. And they brawled, they broke free of the officials several times. Uh, this, I thought, had a lot of fire. I thought that this worked as a as a brawl between the two. Yeah, I thought it had the typical spectacle of, of a WWE-style brawl. Um, had some of the chaos, and I thought it had a good crowd reaction to it as well. I thought Becky sounded good and fired up in her promo. It, it I felt like it helped having her uh, with Charlie to talk to. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little change that didn't it, it worked and you also had a crowd that was really into becky so there it worked a lot there's still something that i don't think is connecting about lacey evans you know she she just feels like such a superficial gimmick right now without a real reason to dislike becky lynch i feel like we're still missing the real reason why these two are feuding aside from her punching uh becky a, a couple times well, maybe she'll become the world champion, and then that will be her gimmick. What do you mean? She'll become the Raw champion. And then the the gimmick is just I'm champion? Yes. I don't know how great of a gimmick that is, but okay. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins versus The Revival. Revival did not get an entrance. The crowd started chanting, shave your back, as they got the advantage on Ryder and double teamed him. Dawson mocked the chance as he attacked Ryder in the ropes, lifted up Wilder, who came down with a leg drop, and it's all revival until the tag champions sneak away with the victory with Ryder using a crucifix in 417. Match, I thought, here had no crowd reaction at all. Really, it just served as a backdrop for the commentators making back hair jokes. And I think it's especially kind of depressing to know that this was a match with your tag team champions. When you have like the WWE champions get a fluke victory over this, <laughs> the geek team the that ge- they are designing, the back hair team, there's something really wrong, I feel, with your tag team division. So Hawkins and Ryder with the belts really is, it, it's already over. Like it's, it's a gag that went on long enough. Um, I think those belts need to go off of them. Sami Zayn came out. His entrance is awesome. Like he's rolling around on the ramp and they go to commercial and we come back and there is this look of disgust on his face. 
He said oh, during oh, his time ta- before that Miz uh, challenge chain to uh, the steel cage match. Yeah, yeah, I skipped right. over that. Um, yeah, he just made the challenge, and then Shane accepted on Twitter. Yeah. What's your excite? What was your heart rate when this match was announced? Um. Uh, I don't know, sixty something. Sami Zayn spoke about the love he rekindled uh, in such subjects as history and psychology during his time away. And psychology has helped him make sense out of you people. And he puts up, a, uh, he puts up the text with the definition of psychological entitlement. The general belief that one deserves more or is entitled to more than others. And says that people have been fed the lie that the customer is always right. And this crowd was pretty quiet for this. He insults Lexington, says, you're not going to understand me anyway here. And he has a belief, uh, the people have a belief, that what you feel is correct. And then you throw a fit if you don't get what you want, exactly how you want it, when you want it. And he talked about a story of being approached by a soulless father with his child at four in the morning at an airport, asking for an autograph, and Sami Zayn turned him down. And the child cried and it made him sick because already this child at the age of five has been taught that he is owed something at that young of an age. He does not owe anyone anything. He gave them three shoulder surgeries and 17 years of five star matches. That's enough. He says, from now on, you get whatever I give you. And he did like his doofus voice about all the critics that have told him to quit. And he admits Quitting WWE would be amazing. But, as I said, I've had three shoulder surgeries, and they'll probably freeze my contract for a long, long time if I tried to quit. So he says that he's instead going to stay here, and week after week, he is going to make the people accountable for their actions, calling them out on their crap, and he will be the critic of the critics. Sami Zayn is taking the power back. This was like a dynamite promo in front of a muted crowd. They just did not react to this at all, but I thought it was a great promo from Zane. I thought it was very scathing, um, as usual. But I, I kind of with the crowd. Like, at this point, we still don't really know what type of program this is leading towards. It's really just, to me, kind of feeling a little repetitive. Um, although I do feel like it's kind of starting to get heat in the... in the By way, if... If a babyface ever comes in right now, there's nobody to oppose Sami Zayn. So this crowd really like is just listening to the ramblings of a madman. And I think the idea is that you you want to create like a hatred for this guy so that when someone finally stands up to him, it's this big babyface moment because he is mm-hmm. so hated. Um, I suppose so. But, I, but I, I don't think you've hit that level yet. I Yeah, I don't know. Um Maybe maybe it'll kind of take that opposition in order to really unlock it. But I don't think it's it's nearly as fun or or as maybe even uh, I don't know not as interesting or memorable of a segment as you know like what Daniel Bryan did uh, very similarly with his recent gimmick or even somebody like an Elias doing like you know making fun of the hometown crowd and getting reactions like he does it's a very different type of gimmick and I would say maybe more realistic even maybe there's too much reality in Sami Zayn's words to the point where you just don't necessarily feel like um, watching it even. 
Yeah, I think you could tweak things a bit so that it's it's something that is really going to strike a nerve with, with the with the audience. I, I don't think he's really uh, labeled anything that. I think that there's probably a lot of people that listen to him that are in agreement with him as well. Yeah. And and how So I th- I think really... you do need to put him you you need to make him somewhat hypocritical or something that people can latch onto that is uh a definable negative trait about this guy uh versus you know the thoughts that probably a lot of fans have of other fans as a whole. Right now he's just kind of like the friend who, you know, he's part of your group of friends who just complains all the time. And I guess if you could frame it like, oh, here's the guy he just complains all the time. You can kind of find that entertaining. But most of the time you would kind of find that miserable. You wouldn't necessarily yell out and be like, oh, God, I don't want that guy here. You just kind of have to put up with it sometimes. Maybe it'll eventually get to the point where, like, he'll just go on and on throughout a commercial break. He'll come back, continue to cut a promo on the crowd that the crowd will start to really yell. Uh, But they, they really haven't hit that yet. And here's another problem is the fact that who is that super popular baby face that just opposing him w- would help with the Sami Zayn character? Like, who is it? On, Who's the most on like Raw, Ray? I, yeah, I mean, well, he's tied up, and on Raw, he's, I just I I there's not a lot of like really over baby faces and people who could match him like on the microphone. More importantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Samoa Joe comes out. He cut a promo. He thinks that Ray's son is ashamed of him. Over how quickly he put Ray to sleep at WrestleMania. Ray should have gotten a mask for Dominic to hide that shame in public. And AJ Styles used Ray to steal a victory over him. And there will be a reckoning tonight. And it will pale in comparison to WrestleMania. Uh, it was a good promo. But one, one of the point, like, he clearly, like, screwed up one of his words. And his recovery was damn impressive. Because oh, yeah. it was... He did not bat an eye. He did not, like, go to rephrase what he had just said. He just charged through, and I thought it was, like, a really confident guy that was on live television and was a real pro here. It's just, you know, you stumble a word. It's not the end of the world, and he didn't call much attention to it. I thought it was a very nice save. I totally, I almost forget about that little stumble. He is so good. Uh, I think, to me, like, the best promo on this show, on Raw, at least, uh, maybe in all of WWE right now, especially with Paul Heyman on here. He, to me, is completely criminally underutilized. This guy's role should be as the top heel of this company. Joe and Rey Mysterio are WrestleMania rematch. Uh, Ray hit a seated senton off the apron and then the sliding splash, but he landed onto Joe's knees. They come back from commercial. Uh, Joe takes over now. He hits Ray with a power slam, uh, but Ray begins his comeback, drop kicks the knee, and then gets caught coming off the ropes, but Ray spins into a DDT. Tilt-A-Whirl sends Joe into the turnbuckle and takes a 619 into the midsection. Ray uses a head scissors to drape Joe on the middle rope. He goes for the uh, for the 619 and is blocked with Joe applying the coquina clutch. Ray breaks free, runs into the corner, gets hit with a urinagi, and then Joe goes for another urinagi in the middle of the ring, and Ray counters that and then stacks him for the three count. I thought the transition into the the pinfall was a little awkward, and Joe kind of had to just lie there. Um, but Rey Mysterio wins, and Samoa Joe continues to lose as United States champion. Right, yeah. I mean, he beat him at WrestleMania, so I guess this was a way for Ray to just get his win back and to set up the title rematch. 
uh, it was a pretty formulaic match, very short, not a lot of time. Um, I just thought, I don't know, another cliched way of building to a title match that the only way they know how, by having the challenger beat the champion. Um, I feel like the Dominic stuff that they're just kind of starting off with, it's been so off and on that <clears throat> it's hard for me to feel anything with it right now. Um, well, you got to milk this till at least Father's Day, right? Is that is that the idea, you think? Well, it's it's June. We're so close. Is I Dominic mean, uh, going to Saudi Arabia? Uh, he could. We're not talking about Ray's daughter. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of curious to see where this ends with Dominic's involvement. Um, it, it, it's, Is it really teasing that it's going to be Dominic turning on his dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him doing a 619 or something. Th- this is the best visual of the entire night was Dominic lifting dad on his shoulders. I just howled, dude. It was so funny. Here's like uh, Dominic, yeah. like this little kid that was once at stake in a ladder match, lifting up Ray on his shoulders, dude. It was just, it was just so funny. I could never in a million years imagine a son doing this to his father, except for these two. You tried it with your dad? Tried no, your dad I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. It'd be too weird. I couldn't lift my dad on my shoulders. That's for sure. No, neither could I. My back would give out. Um, I, you know, like when this guy, Dominic finally becomes like an active wrestler, they're going to like replay that thing. Ladder match, like the custom. Oh, he's got, he's got all the promos and you know, if they do this turn, which I'm just throwing out there, like Joe can do all the promos about how (laughs) he's, he's just going to relive 2005, the summer of 2005. Oh my goodness. He has all the motivation in the world. You put Dominic up his custody in a ladder match on a pay-per-view. You're a monster, Ray. A monster. He was a very adorable child. And then he grew up. Yeah. Maybe Aaliyah can join. Say how you ruined my birthday prior to WrestleMania 26. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) You're terrible, Dad. Uh... Michael Cole is in the ring for the final segment. It's the contract signing. AJ comes out first. This is when Graves brings up his pit bull mentality. And then Rollins comes out. AJ says, SmackDown was good to him for two years. But this is raw. This is where it's at. This is where the craziest fans are at. And we're like, yeah, we're wild. We're raw exclusive here in Kentucky. AJ says, I've always liked you, Seth. You're a good guy, but you have something I want. And when you want something, you will do unexpected things to get it done. And he calls Rollins a winner. And he asks how people think people have brought up to him that Rollins will be the new AJ. But says Rollins will never be the phenomenal AJ Styles. And this is when Rollins takes over and says, well, that's funny because I've never wanted to be you. Or anyone else. I wanted to be the first Seth freaking Rollins. And said, here on Raw, it's different here. And he listed off. I swear to God, this is the differences. <laughs> the ropes are red. That's not Tom Phillips standing there. That's it. Those are the differences. The ropes are red here, dude. Welcome to Raw. Everything else is the goddamn same, and you would never know this is a different show if not for the color red and Tom Phillips not being here. 
which there have been weeks that Tom Phillips has filled in for Michael Cole on Raw, so you can't even say that one absolutely. Well, listen, you don't know what the effects different colored ropes might have on on your psyche as you're competing in there. Um, yeah, I mean, some guys red. do so well in Pride, and then they just suffer in the UFC. I'm sure the color of the mat has something to do with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe SmackDown should be in a cage and the other is in a ring. At least then we'd have a, uh, an actual difference that we could allude to. Anyway, please continue because I look forward to your take on what's to come in this uh, promo segment. Styles says that Rollins ran himself ragged in order to get that title and says, how are you holding up? Your brotherhood isn't here to help you. And he doesn't think that Seth has anything left after WrestleMania. And I was just waiting for Seth to come back and say, dude, I won my match in three minutes and you had to take a week off after WrestleMania. You legitimately were injured at WrestleMania. But instead, the story is that Seth has killed himself and AJ is just all fresh and ready to go. So then AJ just channeling like the happiest line I could possibly imagine. He says he looks down and I'm like, oh, God, he's going to reference it. I'm so ready for this. You see this shirt, Seth? It says never rest, never rust. <laughs> I can't believe he had to say this fucking lie on TV. It's on. His- it was it was even worse than I imagined it would sound. It's on his gear, too. Oh, dude, it's like, this is his branding. Yeah. He is the phenomenal Never Ruster. Oh, my God, dude. clad. This is the worst, the worst moniker anyone has been given at a main event level in this company. You see this shirt, Seth? Never rust. <laughs> Never rust. Oh, man. He'll be that bulldog at your heels, and he's going to sink his teeth into Seth's heels as this bulldog. And he says, I'm not going to let go with my teeth until I'm champion. (laughs) And then he signed the contract to this fucking rabies match that they're going to have at Money in the Bank. Rollins acknowledges that they are different. Styles likes to build things up. He likes to burn them down. And he beat Brock, unlike Styles. And he was at his best beating Lesnar. And he's going to be at his best when he beats AJ and signs the contract. AJ then grabs the title from him, hands it back, and offers his hand. But instead of shaking hands, Rollins holds up the title, and the crowd starts chanting, shave his back. Oh my god, really? Yes, it was pretty audible. Wow. They're chanting, shave his back for the big segment on the show. So, bravo, WWE. I, I don't know. Wow. Well, man, I thought it was a bit of a generic kind of face-to-face with very WWE-style generic promos filled with catchphrases uh, as awkward as they are, T-shirt slogans as awkward as those are. Um, You don't really feel much genuine hatred or heat between the two, but it's also just the beginning. We did see the beginnings of of, a bit more of a heel slant to AJ in this rivalry. Yeah, up until the end, I, I actually did not mind the promos going back and forth, uh, aside from the never rust line from AJ. I thought like they were just trying to build this up. Like it's a big match. 
involving two guys that think they're the best that are going to fight for the title. I think I think Seth really has the presence now as the top champion. Like he feels like he's in that that Bret Hart role. Like he's the best guy in this company. And the same role two- that AJ had. Well, yeah, yeah, very similar. And I, I kind of like that they were just like they're not just going into. One guy's got to be the heel. Like, it was subtle. Um, I think they will. I mean, I think the crowd's deciding that for them, too. But then when they went to... I, I thought it was early to do the physicality. I thought that was the most uh, kind of cliche part of the end of this. Although, they did have a great spot at the end of all this. So, Styles attacks Rollins and starts attacking him on the on the ground. And Rollins fights back, sends AJ to the floor, hits a suicide dive... And then Styles comes back in the ring and hits the phenomenal forearm, putting Seth through the table. Uh, and all this looked cool, but I felt like they went from subtle to hitting you over the head by going the physical route. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the physical part, but I mean, it did look impressive. I think you needed it, you know, like because I, I didn't think the promo, the promos themselves were all that heated. And I think you needed to end the show, or at least you know, end this interaction with some type of um, escalation. And I feel like the, the beatdown achieved that. Um, it was fine. Ultimately, for me, it's a match that, you know, I'm already sold on on paper. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that this segment really heightened my interest all that much for it, but I'm already interested in it. I think that we should also compare the two because, you know, I, I'm complaining about, you know, being the elite, not really building up these matches. And you bring up a great point that a number of these matches, it's like they've announced them. There's you want to see them. And how many times in WWE do we get a match where by the time we get to the pay-per-view, like they've done all these angles and your interest is less. Um, and we're going to see Rollins and Seth now have to come up with segments for another three weeks before we get to the pay-per-view that by the time you get there, is it going to be at the same level of interest versus just saying Seth and AJ one-on-one that people, Hey, I want to see that match. Like you can over angle some of these programs and WWE frequently does that because of the amount of time they have without a doubt. Yeah. I hope, you know, the, the, the aim is to keep it simple and maybe to keep them separate for a long time. I certainly don't want to see them tag tag with each other uh, beforehand all these other things that I what think else do you do with these guys like i you've thrown the contract signing well, out that's one of their big ones listen, they, have <laughs> a, they have a great budget for uh vehicles john and so i'm sure they can work in a car accident in there somehow sometimes Dude, you're some gonna get these two teaming against baron corbin and drew mcintyre or lashley guaranteed that's gonna be a tag match we see i know i know but man what else do you do though to like if you're the wwe and if you have this playbook of you know how to build up to a match what what could you see them do? Like they can't just come out and cut promos on one another every single week. That's ludicrous. How can that happen in wrestling? I do. I do a week or two of these guys just racking up wins. Just each of them. You're telling the story. They're both at the top of their game. Throw in AJ with, with any geek on this show. And just, it's a showcase. Um, and maybe you don't even need to do that with Seth. It's just AJ is on fire right now. He's going into this match. He's clicking on all cylinders. Um, and maybe you tell the story that Seth is feeling the effects of this Brock Lesnar match. And 
having him, maybe you don't have him wrestle until money in the bank. Like you make a creative decision versus, okay, we've got to fill 20 minutes now that a Seth match would have taken up on raw. And it's, it's AJ. That's the, the in-ring featured performer going into this. And you just have him on this big win streak and he's looking tremendous. He never rusts. I love it. I love it. Um, Interviews from Seth. I mean, you can do I, like. I guess I just. You no, know, he he's finally the champion, and now you're facing this enormous challenger. I think that there's always options versus just. I I hate the the tagging up. I think I think uh, the t- scenario. I think, I think there's a desire to like have a match, uh, have the build for one particular match take place within the same segment, and typically that involves these two participants being involved in that same match. Whether on opposite sides or if they're the double baby faces, then on the same side. So I almost feel like it's a 95% guaranteed chance that you are going to get this tag team of Seth Rollins and AJ Styles at some point in the next three weeks. All right. That was raw. Overall thoughts and takeaways. I my, my energy was pretty low throughout this raw. Um, I thought it started off pretty generically it's just been another like kind of generic edition of raw to me uh, but but again this is a pay-per-view of the money in the bank that i think will have plenty of interest for it just for the ladder matches alone um and and i think the main event you know with seth rollins and aj like i said i almost don't even have to watch any edition of raw and i will already be interested in this money in the bank simply for those top three matches Everything else is pretty much the same old, same old, you know, like uh, Miz and Shane is just directly lifted from SmackDown to Raw. Becky versus Lacey, a bit of a tepid feud, you know, at least in comparison to Becky versus Charlotte to me. So I feel like overall, if you're somebody who's stopped watching Raw over the past several weeks or even past uh, months, this show gave me little uh, reason to come back. All right, uh, we were late getting our feedback up. Yeah, so, apologies, everybody, my fault. Well, this has been a long show already, so we will we'll, we'll go heavy on feedback uh, after SmackDown on Tuesday night. Uh, Paul from New Jersey writes, Am I crazy for saying that Baron Corbin has legitimate heel heat with solid promo ability? Sure, he looks like a nefarious butler that is trying to steal money from Adam Sandler, but he is getting a solid reaction from the audience. I then proceeded to fall asleep, completely invalidating the last paragraph. Woke up to the greatness that is Sami Zayn, and I heard the Iconics didn't lose this week, which I will take as a victory. Who would you gentlemen select to win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match? I think Drew McIntyre is a long overdue champion. I I think people, just going to the Corbin uh, point, I do feel that you can confuse a guy getting booed from what your definition of a legitimate heel is uh is he somebody that i think is a a difference maker in in any sense i don't um we're talking x-pac heat versus yeah i really i think that there's i think the audience enjoys booing this guy but i don't think it's any kind of um not a main event level heel not somebody that it's um people it's a a benefit to the show i don't i argue that people even enjoy booing him i think they boo him because they don't want to see him certainly in the context elias they enjoy booing yeah yeah like certainly in the context of something like kurt angle's retirement match like he is the last person people even want around so their boos are more to say get this guy off of my tv get this guy off of my my programs and my retirement matches with the stars that i actually love rather than I hate this guy. I hope Kurt Angle beats him. I don't think it's that at all. Like, there's a role for the guy on the show. I just think often they over-rely on this guy 
in in such a way that they, it's I think they that it detracts from the show. It's not somebody that people are captivated by. Yeah. Um, as far as like who I think I want to win the money in the bank, I don't really know. We don't know officially who the SmackDown participants are yet. But if Andrade is one of those, then that would be my choice because I think Zelina Vega with the money in the bank, it's a perfect gimmick for her, uh, so that she can talk as much as she wants with that with that device. And I think it it automatically, well, depending on how they book Andrade, but it it kind of puts the spotlight on Andrade, and I think he should have it. Right. Um, All right. I think that's it. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. We have a quick poll. A pool, oh, yes. A pool of three people. <laughs> Do you have any guesses, John? I looked already. 5.67. All right. That is the, the rating for Raw. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, it has been fun. It has been a slice, as they say. We'll be back on Tuesday night with a review of SmackDown. We will also be chatting about some Avengers Endgame and whatever else is going on in the world of wrestling. So uh, yep. any final words, Way? Uh, the double shot again on Wednesday. We'll be talking about the, the Von Erichs episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which um, I think everybody, if you have the ability to watch this, you should go out of your way to watch it. It is fantastic. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Yes. And man, uh, last week we talked about the Bruiser Brody episode and... You know, I thought the the rating would be down because you're coming off the Montreal episode and the Brody one they had made available online in the U.S. And it, it beat the Montreal number. It was their highest to date. So this series is definitely growing an audience. So I'm very curious how the Von Erich episode does this week with all the positive word of mouth for it. It's a really it's, it's a very sad, but it's a really intriguing story. Uh, th- this series seems like it's been a really big hit for Viceland. I'm glad, and I'm almost glad that they kind of positioned the shows this way. I mean, I almost felt like starting off with, like, the Macho Man one definitely wasn't its strongest episode, but the fact that it caught enough attention to the point now people are getting to see perhaps the best in the series right now, three or four weeks in, I think is good. Have you watched ahead for any of the the Gino Hernandez or Fabulous Moolah episodes yet or not yet? Not yet. yet. All right. I, I haven't seen them either, so... We will chat about that Wednesday night uh, with the Von Eric episode, and we'll chat the Crockett Cup that went down over the weekend as well. So tons of great shows coming up this week. You can check it out at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. A reminder again, the Cafe Hangout will be Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern with Conrad Thompson joining us. So that is it, and we'll speak with you on Tuesday night.